Welcome to the Strongstown United Methodist Church. Join us for worship each Sunday morning at 11. Here's this week's message. So our scripture readings today, we're starting in the Gospel of Luke. We are in chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Then they sailed to the region of Genesis, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes nor lived in a house, but he had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirits to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied because many demons had gone into him. And they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Genesenes had asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Our second reading is from the book of Galatians, and we are in chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. Before this faith came, we were held prisoner by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come here today to share your word, Holy Spirit, open our ears and our minds and our hearts to the message that you have for each and every one of us here today. And let the words that I speak here today be yours and not mine, for the honor and glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So there's a lot going on in Scripture right now in Jesus in his ministry. You know, during his ministry, he has told us again and again that he's showing God to us. You know, that he is in the Father and the Father is in him. And as we talked last week about the Holy Trinity, you know, God has three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And Jesus, as the Son, as the Word incarnate here on earth, is here to show God to us. He shows God to us through his ministry and the many different things that he's doing. And so what is he showing us in this scripture in Luke, especially um, what is he showing? What part of God is he showing us here? You know, he's gone across the lake from Galilee into a place where we see that there's a large herd of pigs, so we know that um, it's not an area that is inhabited by a lot of Jewish people because the Jewish people are under the law and they're not allowed to eat pork. So we know that if there's a large herd of pigs, it must be in an area that's not inhabited by a large group of Jewish people. We see that he is met by a man. So this man had seen him coming from afar and had met him at the shores and fall at his feet shouting, what do you want with me, Jesus of the Most High God? Now, this the human side of this man couldn't have known who this person was coming across the lake. So this, we wonder how did he get this knowledge about who Jesus was, but the, the, he proclaims, you're, you're Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I beg, don't torture me. And all of the synoptic gospels are the same on this point. And so we have to believe that the it was the evil spirits in this man that uh, knew who you know Jesus was and, and his authority. And Jesus, they asked him not to hurt hurt them, and and they asked Jesus to send them not into the abyss, which is obviously a place where these spirits fear, but to send them into the pigs. And so what is Jesus showing us of God? Jesus actually is kind or merciful and grants the, the wishes of these demons to go into the pigs instead of into wherever Jesus commanded other evil spirits that he cast out of people to go, right? And so he's showing us a side of God of mercy, right? He's not weaponizing himself. You know, as we have Christian brothers and sisters in churches, they have yards out back where after they're done worshiping, they go to target practice, you know, <laughs> where they believe that it's okay to use force and violence in the name of Christ. Jesus, in all of his years of ministry, had nev never used violence in his ministry. He didn't shed other people's blood, right? He shed his own blood for us. But he shows us a side of God that is merciful. 
He didn't force his will on those demons other than to say, you're going to get out of a child, a brother or sister of mine. You're not going to torture this person anymore. You're, you're going to leave him. He forced that part of his will on them. But he was merciful to him. He said, yeah, you want to go to the pigs, go to the pigs. Now, was the end the same for the demon Jets? He gave them what they wanted, and the end was the same. They were destroyed. The pigs ran into the water, and they drowned, and the demons were destroyed. But he gave them what they wanted. And how many times in our life does, you know, God gives us the right to choose too, doesn't he? He gives us the right to choose what we want. He knows the choice he wants us to make, but we have the free will to make the choice that we want to make. And even though it may not be the, the right choice or the best choice, we have the free will to make the choice. And we have brothers and sisters on this earth that say, I don't need Christ. I'll do it on my own. I'm not under the law like Galatians says. I'll, I get, I have endless mercy and endless forgiveness, so I'm just going to sin endlessly because I can always ask for forgiveness. And that's not what we believe, is it? That's not what we believe. We believe that when you take on the mantle of Jesus Christ and you honestly believe in, in him as your Savior, right? Whoever believes shall not perish. That when you believe in Jesus Christ, you have a changed heart. And you're thankful, right? When someone comes and does something nice for you, do, do you then think, wow, that's a sucker. <laughs> I, I'll take advantage of that person. I can go back to them and say, oh, give me some more free stuff. Do some more. No, that's not a thankful heart, is it? That's not a contrite heart, is it? And that's not the way our hearts are when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're thankful. We're joyous. And we want then to give back. Right? We want to give back to our brothers and sisters from the blessings and the things that God has given us to help their suffering. Not because we have to, because we want to, because we're so thankful. And then there's the man himself that was free. You know, the people come and they see that this man that has been tortured for so long by demon possession, and he's been living on the outskirts of town, marginalized by his society because they haven't been able to help him, and you know, kept away from everybody by these demons who have possessed him and he's been living this awful life, and they come and they see now that he's been healed. He's of his right mind, he's fully clothed, and they're afraid of this power of this God who was able to do what they couldn't do, right? He was just, it's like in the lectionary, the other scripture that we haven't read today is from 1 Kings, and it's, it's the scripture after Isaiah has had the, uh, shown the followers of Baal and he's trying to call the Israelites back and he says okay you, you, you either are going to follow Baal or you're going to follow God and let's, let's, have a, let's have a showdown let's get two cows you prepare the cow I'll prepare the cow and whoever can call their God down to burn up the sacrifice that's going to be the God right 
And so the 400 priests of Baal prepare their cow, right? And they're chanting and dancing and cutting themselves and doing whatever those kind of people do. Nothing happens. And there's little old Isaiah. They had already crashed down the altars that had been built to God. He takes 12 stones right, and some wood and he puts the cow, cuts it up, puts the cow on there according to the laws that they've been given to put. And then what does he say? Douse it with water. Douse it again with water. Douse it a third time with water. And then he prays for the for the Israelites and for the people. God says, dear God, here's a sacrifice that I'm offering to you to show who you are, to show these people that you're the one and only living God, to bring them back to you. And what happens? God burns up that not only the sacrifice, but the wood and all the water that was in the trench around it and brings us and shows who is the one and only living God. And then what happens? All of the prophets of Baal are put to death, right? 400, and then like another 400 uh, uh, backup priests of Baal, right? And then Isaiah is exhausted. He says, he runs back and, and, and he lays under a, a juniper bush and he's like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm the only one left who believes in you, who loves you, who worships you. Take me. And how many times have, have we all been there in our life where life has beaten you down and challenged you and so on and so on? And you're like, dear Lord, I just want to come home. You know, I'm tired of being here just. Call me home. And what does what happens then? An angel comes to Isaiah and feeds him, gives him water. And Isaiah is still too tired. So he feeds him and gives him water again in 40 days and nights of rest. Then Isaiah does him a harm one. The Lord says, What are you doing here? Why are you here? You need to be out there doing what the work I have for you to do. Right? And then the Lord comes past in wind and in fire and in earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in any of those big loud things, was he? It's when the soft whisper comes that Isaiah hears the Lord. And what's the Lord say to him again? Why are you here? <laughs> what are you doing? Right? I got work for you. Right? And so we see Jesus helping that marginalized man who's living on the out, and this is Juneteenth Day, right? Where we talk about the, the marginalization of the African-American popula population, right? And, and we have Galatians here, it says, you know, you're neither Jew nor Gentile nor free nor slave nor male nor female. And that male nor female is being used right now to tear our church apart by saying male nor female means that if I want to be transgender, I don't have to be male or female. Like, that's how that's being used now in our church. Okay, just so you know, we talk about this in those meetings, you'll be aware. That's not what this means. Okay, it doesn't mean there's... It means when we come before Christ, we're all the same. When we put on that mantle of the Lord, when whoever believes in him is not going to perish. Okay? That we, you know, God is like looking down on the city. And no matter what size the houses and, and buildings are, it all looks even to him. Right? 
sin is sin is sin, and all looks even to him. We're all the same when we take on the blood of Jesus Christ. Right? That's what that means. It doesn't mean that, you know, pick your gender. It doesn't matter to God. <laughs> love is love. No, love isn't love. God is love. God is love. Okay? Not love is love. That's, that, that's the world talking. God is love. Let's remember God is love. But we see here that, you know, Jesus helps that marginalized man and he sends him back into his community. The man wants to come with Jesus, right? He's like, I want to go with you. I don't want to be here. You saved me. I want to go with you. And he says what? Stay here and profess to your community the good things that God has done for you. Now, we all have in community some of the same things, good things God has done for us. Like the blood of Jesus has saved each and every one of us, right? The worship and the community that we have amongst us. But we, each, every one of us, have different good things that God has done for us. That we can profess in our life and to our friends and family. Just like this man. And I wonder what happened in the days after he went back into his community and started talking about the good things that God did for him. And after Jesus died and was risen, what type of impact his testimony had on his community about the good things that Jesus did to him? And how many people came to know Jesus through that one man who they all knew was that crazy guy out in the cemetery? Is that naked guy out there yelling and screaming, right? We hear him howling at night. No, now he's George that lives next door, you know? <laughs> he's the guy that makes the candles, you know? And imagine how many lives he impacted by freeing his mouth. And we can use that freedom that Jesus gave us through his blood to free our mouths and to speak about the good things he's done to us. And to walk the walk and to use the blessings to help those people who are suffering in our community, who are marginalized. And through people who come to Jesus to accept them back into our community, to love them, to encourage them on their walk, to not fear people who have come back to Jesus or come to Jesus for the first time but to encourage them into their walk, to celebrate them in their faith, and to celebrate each other in our faith. Because it's a broken and dark world out there, and we need that community amongst each other to lift each other up during our times of trouble. So I ask you during this next week, my ask for each and every one of you is to spend some time listening for that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit talking to you and leading you in truth and love to what God wants you to be doing this week in your life. And when you're feeling tired, to use prayer, to remember our worship, to use song, to use service, to use all of our different spiritual disciplines to rejuvenate yourself and take some time like Isaiah did to rejuvenate and then go back out there and profess the good things that God has done for you because we have taken on the mantle of Christ and we know that our lives have the Disney ending 
because whoever believes, you and me alike, shall not perish, but have eternal life. And that's what it's all about, right? Whoever, you and me, we will not perish, but we will have eternal life. Amen. I now invite you to sing our closing hymn, number 369.